0: I don't even know where you sitting at. <laughs> and welcome to the second episode of Not Another Fantasy Podcast. We are your hosts. We got Luis Amaya. You can call him L.A., and I'm Luis Venegas. You can call me V. Um, v for as vagina. Correct. As I was listening to last week's podcast, I wasn't feeling too confident about hearing my first name. Uh, it sounded kind of wacky. So he went with V for vagina. So I went with V for vagina. That is correct. Um, because, you know, okay, no, <laughs> I'm not going to get into it. So before we get started, there is a public service announcement we would like to uh, obviously announce. This just
1: in. We need and are in search of a... Large adult helmet manufactured in 2010 or after. Now, a model for Shut Air Advantage. This will be traded in exchange for a signed practice-worn Raiders helmet. Now, you will only get the chin strap. We're going to keep the helmet, but we need your assistance in finding this to ensure that we have AB out there on the field this year. That is correct, Uh, which...
0: He is now accepted the 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 new helmet. He's not going to be retiring from football as he had previously threatened. Um, actually, today he was out in the pregame workout and looked like he was running some routes, catching some balls, yeah, and saying right hi to some right.
1: fans. Saying uh, mm-hmm. uh, saying hi to Larry Fitz, two of the greats, meeting up in the midfield, shaking hands. Uh, looked kind of kind of weird to see a B in the silver and black, but uh, I bet you Raider Nation is happy to see it. Uh, I personally think the whole issue was nothing to deal with the helmet. It was more to take away from really his feet and how bad his feet looked and to take away some of that heat for uh, not wearing shoes and that cryotherapy. The other day
0: I saw um, this post on Instagram. You know, you've you've heard about the Madden curse, right? I have. How, you know, they get hurt. Well, the new graphics engine that they use on the newer Madden's is a company called Frostbite. <laughs> so the fact that they had him on the on the you know the cover, and then right under it says Frostbite.
1: It's like, oh wow, this thing's getting more specific each year. <laughs> it's a little worrisome. Well, I, like I said, I think the the thing is uh, the whole helmet was just to take away. It was like a uh, uh, a political tactic. Well, look over here, but the real issue is his feet. Hopefully, he can heal. He still has time to heal before the season starts. But everybody knew the man was not gonna turn down 30 million for the year just because of a helmet. So come on. Speaking of big money, uh, another
0: that we got going on is um, this Dak. Just in. This Justin as well. Uh, Dak Prescott re- uh, turned down a thirty million per year deal. Sounds a- about right. You and know. is reportedly looking for forty million. Sounds about right. Uh, I think if you were to give me one million, I can be
1: your franchise quarterback or even your bench. Uh, I am fine with just being out there on the field and <laughs> throwing the ball to Omari Cooper. How about the fact that you still have to go ahead and pay Omari Cooper? Zeke Zeke, (laughs) And I believe you have to take care of that defense as well So Dak is not the only cowboy looking to get paid And probably he's going to be seeing himself the way out Because I don't think he is a $40 million quarterback He's a good quarterback, but not $40 million. Uh, he's more, i say, in about the 20 to $25 million range. I think asking for 40 is asking for more than Russell. Russell got $35 this offseason. Russell has a Super Bowl. On top of that, went to another Super Bowl. So he has two Super Bowl appearances. And I believe he has the highest QBR rating of all current quarterbacks playing in the league. So that tells you a lot. And I'm pretty sure he led the way last year in completion rating, which was pretty astounding. Uh, when you get to the point that he really just had Doug Baldwin. He lost Jimmy Graham.
0: Well, he had he had the, the
1: surprise breakout, you could say, of uh, Lockett. Lockett it. Lock it had a solid year, as well as uh, Chris Carson was able to go ahead and bring some balance to that offense. I believe he rushed for 1,200 yards. I can't see Chris Carson doing that again because, with those stats, he was in the top five of fantasy running backs. I can see Rashad Penny having a stronger year this year, taking away some of a bit of those carries and just being a little more of a one two punch with Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. But... Getting back to the overall point, I personally take care of Zeke before I pay Dak. I think we know the Cowboys' offense is more of a run-based. Right, that is correct. Um, you lost me a little bit, but I wanted to go back to
0: to what you were saying about Carson and Penny. <laughs> you lost me a little bit because it was you know we jumped around a little bit, but. Um, There's been reports that they are trying to use Carson a lot more in the passing game now. Last year, that second punch, you know, was Rashad Petty, who was more of a pass catcher. But now they're saying this year they want him to get at least 50 receptions. So giving a running back 50 receptions, plus a huge load of carries, which they already did last year, was over 200 carries. I believe he was reaching 250 mark for carries. Um... Plus adding on top now receptions. I think Carson is a value in the, in the drafts because I believe he's going near the fourth round on, on most drafts.
1: Really? I haven't done many mocks, so I wouldn't be able to tell you. But just to give you his overall stats from last year, the man averaged 4.7. That's an amazing average. He had nine touchdowns, 1,100 yards, and it was nice to see the Seahawks get back to what they're known for, and that's running the ball. We all know when they had beast mode, what that led to, and that was one Super Bowl and a Super Bowl appearance the following year. So, When the Seahawks tend to go ahead and stick to that ground game, you get Chris Carson with 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. Correct. So now that makes you wonder, you know, with all this run-heavy
0: team, how's that going to impact Russell Wilson, who's always been a top 10 quarterback since he
1: started his career? Well, not only did Chris Carson put up those numbers, you also had Rashard Penny put up 419 yards and two touchdowns 4.9 yards average so that tells you getting back to what you said I can see them trying to incorporate Chris Carson out of the backfield to catch passes but I can see Rashard Penny being more of that running back that third down running back who's going to come out of the shotgun and run that little screen route So would you be more inclined in getting Chris
0: Carson, let say, in the fourth round pick or waiting down to get Rashad Penny near the eighth round pick? I am staying
1: away from both because I don't trust no Seahawks. <laughs> that is not named Sha- Marshawn Lynch. Personally. <laughs> Until B. Small comes back from retirement, I'm and, not drafting a Seahawks front. And I see him throwing Skittles and grabbing his crotch on his way to the touchdown. I'm staying away from Seahawks. There's a couple teams I stay away from personally, and it's just my personal vendetta where I've been done wrong by them in the past where I can see the value in a chris Carson and the Rashard penny definitely there but personally I'm staying away from them
0: I'm leaning the other way as you know was mentioned this is going to be a run heavy team and you know if you're looking for running backs you want to get those attempts you want to get those opportunities to get yards get touchdowns and being on a team that's going to rely heavily on the run I think getting those running backs from those teams are going to be a value
1: and uh, just getting a little bit off topic but We're trying to be a little bit more organized from the first podcast we had episode. This one's going to try to be a little more on point. But it also ties in with what we started talking off. Uh, Starting off the topic was uh, Antonio Brown being on the field. A highlight I saw today that just stuck to mind, that came to mind right now, was Lamar Jackson putting on the Jets. And he put on the Jets on my team, and he made them look silly. Yeah, there was a flag thrown, but I believe it was a 30-yard oh, run that the man just broke ankles and made it look easy. He flew. And it was pretty cool to see after the game, Aaron Rodgers talked to him, and Lamar come up to him and call him the GOAT. And, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers having some, you know, uh, encouraging words for him to slide. Don't take those hits. Slide a little bit. And and you know what? We we all know why Aaron is saying that. Because, you know, then you look at somebody like Cam who's struggling to, you know, basically get that ball downfield. Because it might be all those hits he's taken you know, throughout his career who are now, you know, coming back to haunt him a little bit. Yeah, you can even look at Jimmy G last year who tried to go for that extra
0: yardage running around instead of sliding out. And, you know, what well, that resulted in him losing out the whole season. But, yeah, staying, staying um, on topic with today's games, you know, you mentioned you know, uh, Baltimore did beat the Packers 26-13. Another team that I was looking forward to watching was the Jets um, with the whole revamped off- offense for Le'Veon Bell. They went out and surprised a little bit. They beat the Falcons 22-10. to 10. Um, Obviously, you can't take these preseason scores too seriously, as it's mainly second teams. But, you know, you do get to take a look at some players that, you know, you're thinking about drafting, those later-round players. So my question is to you, you know, you're a big Le'Veon truther. You know, you're a believer in Le'Veon Bell. But what about uh, Ty Montgomery? Do you think he will at all take any share of the targets, attempts to you know rush attempts in the team? He did have a good seven yards today. I mean, seven attempts with 36 yards and a touchdown. So that well, not But well, what's, what's, what's what do you an think? he
1: about 5.1 today. I don't see anyone. Good to- math skills. Uh, 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 math, you know what? There. I'm a mathematician, and <laughs> it's what I am. My why I'm basically brought into this podcast to do the math for oh, yes. both of us.
0: We, we I beg you. We
1: know, beg to. know that the V over here can't do the math, so they brought in the man from LA. But getting back, to, getting getting back to what you said, I can't see anybody taking any carries away from Le'Veon, besides maybe him taking a breather. We've known that that Jets backfield is a headache. Even last year, when I thought Powell was going to be the man, they went ahead and incorporated Crowell. So... Uh, The thing is, we know why they traded for Le'Veon, and they went ahead and actually signed him. Excuse me. He was a free agent. They went ahead and paid the man the money because he's coming in to be that workhorse. And they're trying to take some of that pressure off Sam Darnold. I think, personally, Sam Darnold's a stud. I could see the man growing into a potentially elite quarterback. He looks better than Eli already. The man can make the throw. The man can take the hit under pressure. He stands in the pocket and he also knows when to take off if he needs to. So I think the only thing they may be missing is a threat on the outside. But I believe Robbie Anderson was pretty, you know, pretty decent last year. So when you review the Jets, I'm looking at their stats here, like you stated Montgomery went for 36 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Powell had 20 yards. He averaged four point yards a carry. They have a pretty stacked running field because they also have uh, McGuire who had 14 yards, not that much. but then he, was, he was one of our,
0: he was one of our, our heroes uh, later in the season last year because he put he, he was value in the PPR, half PPR uh, formats. Uh, I believe in the last couple of weeks he did put up 20 plus points, which helped us get into the final. And even in the final, he helped out. I don't know. He gave us a good share of 20, 22 to 23 points. But, yeah, definitely the Jets have a, a good, good running back field. But, obviously, yeah, the number one guy is going to be Le'Veon. We've
1: seen him do it before, and I'm
0: sure they're going to do it again.
1: So getting back to your initial question, I can't see Montgomery taking that much food off of Le'Veon's plate. Um, looking over some of the games today, like you mentioned, the uh, Raiders went ahead and played the Cardinals. Murray's second preseason game didn't go so great. Three for eight, 12 yards, sacked twice. So that tells you they went ahead and traded their first-round pick last year to the Dolphins for another quarterback, and we haven't seen much from him this year from the preseason.
0: Which, if you really come to think of it, you know, trading away that your first-round pick from last year, I don't think it hurt as much. You know, at least there's there's more potential to be seen here with Kyler Murray because Josh Rosen couldn't even get the quarterback. um, He hasn't, you know, sealed the quarterback job at the Dolphins. You know, it looks like their week one starter is going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, you know, Cardinals and Kyler Murray, I think, you know, have some time to develop, but there's there's a bright future ahead for, for Kyler Murray.
1: I could definitely see that. The only sad part about that is that Larry Fitzgerald is at the end of his career. Yeah. Larry Fitz reminds me a little bit of the topic we touched last week, and that was uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You, Larry Fitz has not had that stud quarterback. You know, he had a Kurt Warner at the end of his career who took him to a Super Bowl, but he wasn't a stud. He had a Carson Palmer, but he's never had that elite, elite quarterback. And he might have it now, but it might be a little too late for the man. Yeah. So, tying a little bit back into the games I'm looking at this Packers and Ravens stats I do see something that stands out that I was trying to see how he would perform and that's Mark Ingram Mark Ingram in the Ravens uniform Mm, went for four carries 18 yards 4.5 average so that's an interesting stat line when you think about they're going to be run heavy Um, I love Lamar Jackson I think I'm trying to fight myself from not reaching for him I can see some people getting excited but it can bite you in the butt all over again like that whole Colin Kaepernick. We know Colin Kaepernick came in that one second half of the season when Alex Smith balled out, and everybody was talking about he's the next big thing, and come next year, he was a flop. So who knows? We know Lamar struggles a little bit when it comes to throwing the ball, but if you really go ahead and surround the man with what he needs, the tools to go ahead and be successful in the right offense, and you go ahead and give him his 10 to 15 runs a game, I can see him being successful, and I can see them going ahead and making some type of playoff run.
0: Yeah, I would totally agree. I think uh, Lamar Jackson is basically like your third running back in the team, because he is going to be so much relying on the on the run game, not so much on the passing game, you know, and yeah. Yeah. Um, you know you mentioned that you know you're feeling that like you don't want to reach for that quarterback he's going near you know i do i do a couple mock drafts here and there um both with other players and and with you know computer generated drafts and he does seem to be going very late you know so it's you can stack up your team you can get your running back depth. you can get your tight ends you can get all your positions filled up and still get a good quarterback near the end of the near the end of the draft
1: and then just tying a ribbon to the last bit of news that I saw that went ahead and stuck out to me. I believe this was yesterday and the next coming. I heard he was going to be the next Brady up there in Northern Cal. You know, the man with the one of the greatest coaches. And I do think he's a great coach because with the talent he had last year, he still was able to make that team perform and give a lot of teams trouble. But the news I'm trying to get to is Jimmy G throwing for five interceptions in practice. Is that Nathan Peterman out? Out there or Jimmy G? <laughs> that's the question, but that has to be a tad bit alarming when you're in an offense that's high octane, like a Shanahan offense, and it can perform and he's throwing five interceptions. In the practice, and I heard not only five interceptions. I don't know if this is true, but I heard it was on five straight passes. Ooh, that so, sounds like a Nathan Peterman debut. So <laughs> maybe that's a, you know, that's a key sign that maybe that 49er defense is a first round pick. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: definitely, but I mean it's also a big injury to come back from. So you know it's definitely gonna take him, we you know hopefully it doesn't take him too long, but definitely gonna take him a, a few weeks to to get that. Um, adjustment back back in place, you know. Make sure he's up to to par to participate in the you know games and at at full capacity. I agree, but I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't be afraid of you know I would give Jimmy G a a shot. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind getting, You know he he did show flashes of what he can do, and I think they've prepared like you mentioned. This is a Kyle Shanahan team, which usually is very good with the run. That being said, you know, those play-action plays, you know, those surprise passes are going to be crucial in, in, in the San Francisco offense.
1: I could see that. You know, Jimmy G is talented. We all know Jimmy G is talented. When Brady went down, uh, he was able to perform, and that offense looked like they did not skip a beat. Um, we saw him a little bit with the Niners before he got hurt, and it looked pretty good. It, you know, For a, a quarterback who was fresh off with a new uh, offensive coordinator, he, still be able, he was still able to be able to slang the ball left and right. Um, let's see what a hopefully full season of health can get him and see how those Niners perform. I don't see the NFC West being that stacked. Uh, besides who? Probably the Seahawks. The Cardinals are also having a rookie quarterback. Yeah. And then you got the Rams. There's a lot of talk. I, I Like I said... I haven't done no mocks, but I've, <laughs> I've thinking like that. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard it this between me and you, that Todd Gurley is slipping in a lot of drafts, and there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to the man with the whole arthritis knee and things. I just don't get why they did not re-sign CJ Anderson when the man performed in their offense. I'll tell you why. Uh, because just
0: today. Sean McVay announced To the media That Todd Gurley Was reaching miles Of 41 miles per hour back And that he was reaching
1: 41 miles per hour That is this correct is That is, that like is correct body? That is
0: <laughs> 41 miles is
1: per, per hour That is correct Yep that is correct Out of the 41 I mean guys,
0: obviously It's not going <laughs> to be Obviously it. it's
1: his exaggeration are Of saying he's up to speed kilometers Or miles per hour I know you MPH, are From TJ, my friend MPH Miles per hour 41 miles per hour Per Sean McVay Okay, Sean McVeigh is smoking some good <laughs> shit. We all know, end of the day, California has gone ahead and, and legalized. legalized marijuana. <laughs> and Sean McVeigh has went ahead and jumped early and hopped on the boat. And it sounds like he has gone ahead and started his new business. <laughs> oh, So, yes, 41 was a way of exaggeration.
0: But if you want the exact number, is he's hitting 21 miles per hour.
1: That's still outrageous. I cannot run 21 miles per hour. And Bro, that's you what can't, it states. You can't run three miles per hour. That sounds about right. I'm more focused on not running. But it does say here, 21 miles per hour in practice, hitting speeds that are as high as he's ever hit before. I think that sounds like some bullshit. (laughs) Let's be honest, man. There's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to him. Come on. The guy was on a bike in the Super Bowl trying to stay warm. Yep. So, there's a lot of... Th- this and is if, just a coach trying to take some of the heat off the player. And you got to respect what McVeigh is doing here for his player. But we all have questions. We had questions when he came out of Georgia. Like, he just came out with a... He, I believe, had a knee uh, injury. And we were all questioning why the Rams reached so high for a player who basically was coming off an injury. And we know the Chargers took Melvin Gordon right behind them, So... I don't know. I still have a lot of questions when it comes to Todd Gurley. I know I've battled here with V and told him, I think Todd Gurley's overrated. Uh, I don't see him being that every down spectacular back. He has an amazing, amazing offensive line. He has another offensive guru when it comes to those offensive guru coaches. And I think you can put anybody back there. And we kind of saw that with CJ Anderson. And they're going to go ahead and put up pretty good numbers. So similar, similar, talking about that uh, Pittsburgh O-line, right? People were saying, you know,
0: James Conner came into the league, took his first season, and, you know, he, he broke out. They were saying, is it really the running back or is it the offensive line? So, you know, I can, I can see why you say the offensive line and the Rams. And the Rams' general offense can be the, the primary cause for any running back to be successful. Um, but you can't, you know, you got to look at it. You know, numbers, you know, he was top, top of the crop. You know what I'm saying? And um, but you know, it is it is it is questionable with the knee. You know, okay, he's he's hitting twenty-one miles per hour, good, but for how long? Is he gonna oh, be good for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks? It's gonna be the whole season. It looks it looks doubtful. So, you know, you wanna definitely take your precautions. If you're drafting early, you might want to look at his bench players too to keep your your investment
1: safe. I agree. Uh reviewing a little bit of more, I do see this just come in. Keenan Allen injured ankle. Poor guy seems to like always get hurt. He's always lingering with injuries. I believe he had one of the nastiest injuries last year where he had something like a punctured kidney or punctured Mm. rib or something like that where he went up for a catch and landed on the side of his body. So hopefully we'll be able to see Keenan heal up and be ready for the start of the season. It does state here. It is not a serious injury. So Hopefully, it's just maybe a mild sprain, um, but getting back to what you talked about in the whole reaching or drafting Gurley and where he should be picked, we wanted to go ahead and focus this episode onto our topics that we wanted to hit and really hit when it came to this second episode, and that was waiver pickups, um, what to look for, value, handcuffs, That's also going to tie in with one of our last topics. When is the right time to give up on a player that you drafted? Yeah. So getting a little bit into when it gets into waivers, what to look for? I think that's the question everybody asks. Everybody usually comes out of week one and whoever pulls up some spectacular, talented.
0: I don't know about you, but every time before week one starts and after the draft, I'm there laying at night in my bed. Open up my sleeper app real quick, look at my team. Do you dream about your fantasy team? And then I touch myself to my fantasy team because I look at it and like this is a team. This is a championship-looking team right here. So, you know, going into week one, I don't know what to look for in a, in a. unless, you know, anything major happened. You know, someone got injured, someone got traded, something like that. I can see, you know, you can look for in the waiver wires for those those bench players, those handcuffs, you could say. But what do you look for
1: week one come around so i approach waivers two different ways i have a league where every acquisition is three dollars so, so i have to it. think twice because <laughs> it starts adding up by the end of the season and then you have your standard where a waiver pickup is just a waiver pickup you're right. dropping somebody you don't think is going to go ahead and perform anymore, and you're just picking up somebody who you think has higher upside um when it gets down to it realistically My team is usually after the draft running back heavy. It's a bunch of running backs and wide receivers, and I'm just trying to figure out what's going to be my starting lineup. So what I mean by that is I'm usually weak at the tight end spot. So I let week one go by. I try to see what tight end performed and try to see who's their quarterback and if they like to go ahead and rely on their tight end more. And I'll tell you, we went ahead and used this strategy last year for our fantasy team that we went ahead and co-owned, and we were able to pick up Eric Ebron, which I believe was one of the top-performing tight ends. And the man was just a touchdown machine. You know what I mean? That's a game, at
0: least. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, definitely looking at
0: those waiver wires, looking for those, what, what position you're thin. Um, a lot of people do that. You know, they stream tight ends or they stream quarterbacks. So, week one, come around, look at the matchups. You know, based on the matchups, you know, you see a weak defense or who is projected to be a weak defense? Obviously, week one anything can happen because nobody's really adjusted yet but you know you look at that week one matchup and be like you know what last year these guys struggled you know what this quarterback you know does heavily rely on the tight end um so just based on matchup you might want to do that waiver wire pickup um same thing for defenses week one come around i personally am more of a streamer for defenses i don't really try to draft one or reach to draft one um i'll go more based on on
1: matchups I'll be honest. When it comes to defense, you brought up a great point. My defense, I'm probably picking 15 or 16. I see people pick up defenses 10, 11 when you still have some running backs available or some wide receivers. And I'm like, what are you doing with your life? Uh, those fifteen and sixteen for that. are dedicated. Usually, I'm just telling people, give me the best kicker available, or give me the best defense available, or who I think is going to be, you know, upside. Because I've never seen anybody keep a defense a whole season. No, I, no, I
0: could and, give. And if you do, I think it's a waste of a of a bench spot. I mean, you're going you're holding on to a defense just because you know next week they're going to go up against X Y Z offense. I mean. That could be a valuable spot for another running back, another receiver. It could even be another spot for a quarterback if you need one.
1: Well, that kind of, you know, tying in the defense with the whole waiver topic, I can guarantee you probably one of the highest waiver pickups in that first week last year was probably the Chicago Bears. And why was that? Because Khalil Mack was traded over there. Those type of moves make you want to go ahead and maybe drop somebody and be like, damn, I see the upside in this defense. That makes sense, but I can guarantee you nobody drafted that Chicago's Bear defense before that Khalil Mack. If your draft was after a little later before week one and Khalil Mack was traded, I can see you drafting him. That makes sense. But 15-16 should be your defense and kicker. If you're drafting before that, I don't know. I got questions about the way you go ahead and approach your draft. (laughs) But you should really overall be looking for value. And what I mean value, uh, a great waiver pickup that Luis excuse me, v, v for Vagina was telling me that late he late. that he went ahead and picked up was a, a Connor because everybody was waiting for Le'Veon to come back and sign that tender and play and he just kept lagging and lagging. And I know I mistakenly I'll be honest, I drafted Connor and I dropped drafted him <laughs> for TJ Yeldon because my number one pick was Leonard Finette. So I told myself, I'm going to go ahead and handcuff Leonard Finette, and Le'Veon's probably going to sign. And let it be known, Connor first week went off, and he beat me. So that's always something to keep in mind. When you're looking for value, what we mean when you're looking for value, it ties in with our third bullet point, and that is handcuff. Handcuff, handcuff, handcuff your first and second round pick, because your first and second round pick should be a running back. You really can't. Should, should you
0: go running back? I mean, obviously
1: you want to go best available. Obviously. if
0: you go running back, running back,
1: then yeah. Yeah, obviously, wherever you pack, you pick those first two running backs, you want to go ahead and make sure you handcuff them, and you will go ahead and give yourself that insurance policy. That's correct. And you
0: know, as you were mentioning that I did pick up Connor last uh, last season. Week two, week three come around, you know he's balling out. You know he's putting up numbers that we expected Le'Veon to put up. But tell me,
1: what's really going on with that mullet? Is is he growing a mullet or a rat's tail? I can't figure it out. Is it a rat's tail or mullet? I would have a little more respect if it was the rat's tail, the mullet. I can't see him being business in the front, party in the back type of guy. But I don't know. That's my point of view. Uh, It can be whatever he wants it to be as long as he
0: gets me double digit touchdowns. How about that? (laughs) He can get me a reception, a game, a touchdown, a game, and then I'll be set. So let me hear, let me ask you this question. You think the man's gonna ball out this year? I think so. Um, If anything's been proven, is that Mike Tomlin has never. Actually done a running back committee um, James Conner proved he can be a number one last year He had a couple injuries in the last couple of weeks I get it but nothing. Here's a
1: th- here's a, I'll throw a fork in your theory though I believe we picked up Samuels late in the season Right Because Conner had some type of ankle injury Right and the man balled. The man didn't look bad. He he went ahead and caught the ball out of the backfield. He went ahead and was able to produce when he got his carries. That so. that goes back to what we said though. You know, you plug
0: in any running back into that Steelers offense and they're gonna succeed. So why would you take it away from Connor if he's already proven he can succeed the entire season? Yeah, Jalen Samuels came up the last three weeks of the season, but James Conner proved he could do it from week one up until that week ten, week eleven mark.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Just looking over his stats, you know, looking over week one, I know that Connor didn't touch the ball, but Jalen Samuels had two carries for 21 yards. But don't be deceived. His longest run was 22 yards. <laughs> so he lost <laughs> one so he yard, lost yard the on the okay. second or first <laughs> carry. So I can see that. I can never see the Steelers having a running back per committee. They're also going to go ahead and, I think trying to find that number two weapon for Juju because we know Juju is the man. But go ahead. Yeah, Juju is the number one. I think their
0: number two may be Dante Moncrief, who they just brought over from free agency. He was last year with the Jaguars. He did pretty good. When he was with the Colts, he was a pretty good uh, wide receiver three for them, I would say. Um, So that could be a potential, you know, someone that's already got experience in the NFL. As far you know, because James Washington is his second year there, so I'm not sure he's ready to break out. Um, Even though he does show flashes of you know talent here and there, I think the number two receiver is going to be Dante Moncrief. But I don't think he's going to be the number two target for Ben Roethlisberger. If you know what I mean, I think the number one target is going to be Juju. Number two, you might go Connor, your running back, Connor. Three, you I would say you go tight end. You go with Vance McDonald, and then you'll go with the second receiver, which would be in my. In my belief, it's going to be Dante Moncrief.
1: Yeah, I I don't even want to say the man's name because I don't think he's worthy of saying the name. I think there's one wide receiver I want in that Pittsburgh uh, team, and that's Juju. Juju. Besides that, I'm staying away from everyone else. You're right. The number two is probably going to be Connor. So I really don't want to Dante, blah, 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 Dante blah, 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 Moncrief, whatever his name is. <laughs> so getting but back...
0: Know, but, but,
1: but you see, you
0: got to look at the value of... We're talking about handcuffs here. Yeah, What what if... Juju, Juju gets hurt. Gets hurt. exactly. You got Connor, right? But he's got to throw it from receiver. He can't throw to Connor in the he's tight end all throw day. it
1: to his tight end.
0: It can't be those two all day. You need a receiver out there, and that's where either James Washington's going to step in or Dante Marquez. I'm gonna looking at in.
1: another team. I'm bypassing the Steelers. And just just because you become the new number one in the team doesn't mean you are a number one. Correct. You are not. Um, but a great example to go ahead and talk about what you just said, and this would have been a great handcuff when it comes to talking about wide receivers, because you don't really think about handcuffs when it comes to wide receivers, but... AJ Green went down last year, and Boyd ball. And he's out this year. Boy, first what two, three weeks at least. Boyd showed that he might be the number one over there. It might be time to move on from AJ. They be- also
0: just resigned him, and they paid him some pretty good money. Not the highest paid, but he made <laughs> some pretty good
1: money. And and
0: you're right, he did provide uh, prove last year that he can put up those numbers and that he can be a number one. However, he did have statistically speaking he did have better numbers when AJ Green was on the field than when he was off the field.
1: Well, the man put up seventy six receptions, a thousand twenty eight yards and seven touchdowns. That's a pretty good season, you know, because we all know AJ Green wasn't hurt for the whole year. But he was able to carry the workload when AJ was hurt. So that's what you really want to look for is that wide receiver who's able to be a number one, but is still performing as a number two. And a great example is not only who we're talking about is Juju. Juju was the number two, but he was still pulling up number one uh, wide receiver number. So that's a great pickup. And that's what we're really talking about when we're talking about handcuffs is Giving yourself that insurance policy so that if someone does get hurt, you just got to go ahead and look at your bench and go ahead and pick that person up and moving into the starting lineup. So here's a question for you. Um, Speaking of A.J. Green, we know he's a
0: top receiver in the league when healthy, of course. Right now that he's hurt and he's projected to be out a couple of weeks. How what round are you willing to take that risk for A.J. Green?
1: If I'm looking in the probably fifth or sixth round and the man is still available, I'm taking it. Fourth is a little risky. Not only because he's currently hurt, I can see him again getting hurt throughout the year. So that's what scares me. But if I can get him in the fifth and sixth and maybe use him for three weeks and those three weeks he gets me Ws, you know what, AJ did his job in the fifth or sixth you know, round pick. And off you go yeah uh,
0: definitely. um I like Boyd. I think his value's gone up a lot this this with these news of a j green coming out you know he's getting hurt, Tyler boyd getting paid. um I think he's a pretty good receiver to pick up as your wide receiver too um and you're not well, who knows when time when the draft comes around, but hopefully it's not too expensive to get Tyler
1: boyd yeah. Definitely, and uh, we all know, you know, leagues are different. Like I said, I take my waiver pickups a little serious because they're $3 they're, a waiver pickup. So they cost some money. Um, that's a great way to transition into our next topic, which is trades. When it comes to one of my leagues, trades mm. are $5 if they go ahead and get approved by the commissioner. And you know what? That, that brings up a good topic. I'm curious to know, what do you guys prefer? You know, when it comes to trades, do you prefer just having one person deciding? if, you know, that trade is fair. I know we've had some issues where we've thought trades we are got, fair.
0: We got vetoed.
1: And it's just people hating. They don't want to see trades happen because it makes one team stronger. And you, you really have the Re- question Really, of, it makes both teams stronger in separate areas. But I could see you. The, the real question may be a team being in 12th place and why the fuck are they trading <laughs>
0: <laughs> like,
1: like bro why are you trying to get to so, at 12th place in the eighth week i can see why you know some teams get a little little tight in the butt cheeks because they don't want to mm-hmm. go ahead and see those trades happen but i love my approach in my la league where the commissioner makes a decision you basically just text them and you tell them hey i think it's fair the other team texas says i think it's fair and that same day the trades approved and you got that player you can go ahead and move in your starting lineup but i know a lot of leagues let their uh, their fellow league members vote and majority of the time i would say i'm curious to see the percentage of trades getting approved yeah definitely
0: I've, I've been in some leagues where it's up to you know you get those two days to veto a trade and i mean also you can see where there's maybe some collusion so i can see why people want to veto some trades you know you got this 12th team uh 12th place team trading away i don't know uh, Cameron Brait and the other team is getting back uh, Travis Kelsey it's like well something's not right here why <laughs> why would this 12th place team want to get uh, Cameron Brait instead of uh, keeping Travis Kelsey so I can see those why those will get voided um, but I have had trades myself that have been vetoed because of you know they don't think it's fair like well how come you're in second place and now you're getting another player it's like well yeah but I'm giving up one of my star players as well You know, which comes to another topic within the trades is what exactly qualifies as a fair trade. Obviously, what a fair trade is, is
1: both teams getting some kind of a majority of in one trade or not. Somebody is trying to take advantage of the other person. You don't really see too often fair trades. You usually let's say, for example, if you're in the position of being in the top teams where you're performing and you're just looking to make your team stronger, you're usually having to give up a little more to get what you want, where if you're in the bottom, you're, you're usually getting the first waiver pickup. So you're usually getting that, you know, I don't know how to call them, uh, the, the, the waiver pickup everybody wants yeah, for the week. So usually you can Whoever start. Whoever's
0: loaded. Something really last season, for example, was a hot, uh, hot waiver pickup. After he balled out with, like, I don't know what team he was against. It was, I want to say, the Saints. Maybe he put out like four touchdowns. Yes, he did. And obviously, immediately that was the number one draft uh, waiver wire pickup to go the very following week.
1: Yeah. So I know we've all got in our fair share of bad trades uh just to give you a little one that stood out to me i was offered ben roethlisberger michael crabtree and jeff Hoerman from the denver broncos tight end isn't isn't jeff hoorman the guy that sells insurance
0: for Allstate? that is him
1: <laughs> <laughs> but so basically, in return,
0: basically they were training you big ben for who leonard Fournette and oj howard oh he's hitting that uh that legal marijuana stuff, too, huh? <laughs> He's hitting it
1: hard. <laughs> and I was constantly offered trades from this person, and it was just ridiculousness after ridiculousness where I just started offering my kicker for his whole team, basically. Wow. There is,
0: I'm looking, Am I looking at this right? Did you actually get proposed to trade away Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, and Devontae Adams for Big Ben, Antonio Brandon and Mohamed Sanu? So basically, Big Ben and Antonio for basically the number one consistent wide receiver Devontae Adams
1: the number number one
0: the number one or number two depending on your preference running back in PPR uh, formats Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette who was projected obviously to be a top running back but you know we all know he was a bust due to injury Uh
1: and we all know there's there's times where you're going to have to make that trade, and it's going to hurt a little bit giving up that start that you. You feel like, oh, I knew. I told everybody he was going to ball, <laughs> and he ended up balling. And that's that one player this person really wants. But you know that this trade in the long run is going to make your team better and might put you over the top to get you that championship. So I know – Personally, when I'm talking about the teams I've had where I've won championships, I've always at least had one trade when it comes to a, to looking over my team at the end of the season. So, no, that, you know, speaking of trades and things
0: like that, we're saying, you know, we're giving scenarios, right, what would be a good trade, bad trade. So now let's, let's talk, let's give some real talk. You know, what is a specific trade that you did either last year or that, you're, that you would be inclined to do, maybe even this year, depending on, you know, what you would look for on a fair trade. So I would say, you know, give me an example of uh last year's your best trade, you know, without touching the base of us getting Connor last year.
1: Well, I think one of the trades that I went ahead and went through with was in my LA league. I I think I gave up it was A P Tyler Boyd and I wanna say one more player and uh,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I actually I know who it was. It was A P Phillip Lindsay and Tyler Boyd. So I was giving up two starting running yeah, backs. A yeah. P was Showing that he could still do his thing. Philip Lindsay was probably 100. one of the best waiver pickups yep, of last year. another one. Year. That's Valley right there. And uh Tyler Boyd, who at the end of the day was balling because A.J. Green was hurt. And in return, I went ahead and got the suburban Le'Veon. <laughs> we all <laughs> know. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And I went ahead and got Jared Cook. So... I got a tight end. Like I said when we started this whole podcast, is I usually come week one and thin at tight end, so I was able to go ahead and address my tight end need, and I was able to get somebody who I really wish I would have drafted, just wasn't there when it came to my turn, and that was Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty like it paid off at the end. Uh, I know
0: Christian McCaffrey was a big, big player for us last year, and obviously I'm I'm trying to get him in whatever league I can I think I've I've got this man crush for Christian McCaffrey this year and if I can get him great but it's going to be in that 1 through 4 pick I would say he's not going to go past the 4th pick and if he does then some you got four idiots in front of you <laughs>
1: but getting back to what you were saying is what what basically constructs a good trade is I was willing to give up two starting running backs and a pretty good, decent wide receiver at that time to go ahead and get an RB1. And I was willing to go ahead and do that and make myself thin because I just had this feeling that in the long run, McCaffrey was going to be that workhorse and going to be in there and not get hurt. What so, week was his in? Ah, I, I would want to go ahead and say week five, week six. I'm just throwing out numbers now. But... It was a pretty good, decent amount of showing. It was, it was between week two and eight. Yeah, it, it was a, a pretty good, <laughs> a pretty good, range. decent amount. Actually, you know, when I think about it, it was between one to, th- I think, 16. Oh, definitely. It was somewhere it around, there. around there. It yeah. might have been even before preseason, before we even drafted, something like that. Yeah. but It might have been agreed since last year then. It might have been. <laughs> but the whole point is you've got to be willing to give up a little to get a lot. And you've got to f- be able to find that a lot. put out. You yeah. gotta put out. You got it. You can't be. You can't be no prude. You when th- I get that D, you gotta put out. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree when it comes to that. Um, so I think what constructs a fair trade is basically if you're going RB one, you should be getting maybe Dep- a wide receiver gonna, it's,
0: one. It's gonna, it's gonna depend. It's yeah, gonna it depend is. on what your team needs. Um, like I said, I think a fair trade was considered really a fair trade, and you should think about this before you send some kind of garbage trade offer (laughs) is think, how am I going to upgrade and how is he going to upgrade? Because it would be stupid to get a, you know, accept a trade where i have no no upgrades no i'm just giving you my running back one and i'm getting in return
1: unless you're getting some money on the side you know what i mean give it up yeah 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 i can for for your i can i can definitely (laughs) but we know the fantasy gods are gonna go ahead and strike down upon you and go ahead and injure your future draft picks going forth in your fantasy career so it's not worth it we all know what constructs of a fair trade it's really just bringing balance um I would say, you know, look for what's going to go ahead and make your team better. Not only going to go ahead and make your team better, but their team has to somehow improve to make it a fair trade.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, You know, so just to recap on the points that we touched today, um, you know, waivers, just make sure you're looking for that value, Um, looking for those handcuffs that you can potentially invest in for your your first round picks. But, you know, you also want to look at that value for your rivals, you know, who drafted Todd early? Great point. So, you know, if somebody drafted Todd early, you know, go for the waivers and pick somebody up. They're free, you know, and you don't know what value they're going to have in the future. They might need desperately to get, you know, Darryl Henderson from, from you and you can get a wide receiver startup um, from them. Or it could be a tight end or whatever it can be. So, you know, you definitely want to look at what everybody else has and who may be on the fringe of getting injured or who's injury prone per se. And, you know, go for that, that value waiver pick, which would be obviously another trade tool for you.
1: And you could also go ahead and use that waiver pick before you made the waiver pick to maybe make a deal happen. Damn, in that a sounds trade. Like a waiver bro. Yeah, it, it's, it's <laughs> exactly that. So you can have you know somebody reach out to you and say, hey, I know you got that first waiver pick. If you get this player for me, I'm willing to go ahead and trade you this player. So you already have a trade set up. All you got to do is make sure that you get that waiver pickup, and then you can go ahead and ensure that you're going to go ahead and make a trade for that player you might have wanted, or might stand out to you. But getting back to what you said, when you're dealing with trades, you just want to make sure that it's balanced. If you're getting a star, you gotta be given some type of star. Stop being stingy out there. Stop being... Or if you're trading middle-tier players,
0: make sure you're trading for middle-tier players. And if
1: you're trading garbage, (laughs) trade it for garbage. I'm cool for trading my garbage, but give me your garbage, too.
0: Yeah, give me Katanzaro and I'll give you some other crappy kicker. (laughs) (laughs) He retired. Did he? Your your
1: homeboy, Chandler Katanzaro has retired. (laughs) It's a sad day. Uh, I want to go ahead and take a moment and just recognize the talented man. (laughs) He put up some stats that... I don't even know and don't even care about, but he was able to put up the lowest field goal percentage made. I'm pretty (laughs) sure he won me a couple games with a couple missed field goals. Definitely.
0: Um, So, you know, just we also want to, you know, just want to touch base on, on, we're not just going to strictly stay on fantasy football. You know, we do want to give some time to talk about just sports in general. Um, I personally like to watch soccer a lot. Um,
1: of course, because you're Hispanic and Mexican.
0: Correct, it is in my blood. I must watch football. Um, <laughs> you Americans are the only ones that actually call it football. Every- <laughs> soccer, I mean, everybody calls it football, you call it soccer. Why? I don't know. So, so, you know, just, so, ju- a so just a quick update uh, give liver me your teams, give me your liver soccer teams. My soccer teams. Well, I'm I'm a big uh, FC Barcelona fan. Uh, Lionel Messi is the greatest player in the world. He is the goat and, in so, in football. And, and, just and how football, Tom Brady. Yeah. Just how Tom Brady is you're the football goat football. quarterback in the NFL.
1: Sounds like you're a Patriots fan. That so sounds, sounds like, damn right. Yeah, sounds you like, like you're right, talking to the champions. You like to. Dick ride. That's what it sounds like. Tom Brady. My <laughs> soccer team is Tottenham, so it's garbage. Pretty, pretty cool to see us make the championship final. I was able to actually go to a Tottenham Champions League game this year. So what a fun, sexy time for you. It was just to be around some sweaty Englishmen who don't shower, uh, pale as fuck, and... <laughs> <laughs> drinking beers with them and doing, you know, chants and really get to experience what a soccer match should be like. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's and yeah. I recommend everybody do it once in their lifetime. It is. I 100%
0: agree with you. I went to a Barcelona game. It wasn't a Champions League match. It was a La Liga match. But it was uh, Barcelona against Atletico Madrid more uh, towards the end of the second half of the season. So, you know, it was second, first place against third place, I want to say Atletico back then. It was at Barcelona, and it was ninety nine thousand eight hundred uh, people there. Shh. It was ridiculous just looking around, and they gave out flags in every seat. So it was just ridiculous just looking throughout the stadium and seeing all these flags and people singing the Barcelona anthem. It was something you know beyond what I what I expected. Uh, uh, you no, know, I live in Tijuana. I watch the Cholos. Their stadium's not even built yet, man.
1: You know, <laughs> the you fuck is you bring up a big, great point. Is there anyone more passionate than the soccer fan? I, I don't, don't think, think so. so. I don't think there's anyone more passionate in the world than a soccer fan in Europe. You know, just going to that champion, champion league game this year, I believe it was a Tuesday, which means people yep. had to work they the next Tuesday day. And Wednesdays. People were out there. It was at Wembley Stadium, packed house, chanting. Is celebrating this Tottenham win and I'm thinking to myself, I don't even think football games. Maybe the closest thing we got out here in the States to is maybe college football. I can see where the fans are as passionate as passionate over there there, for example,
0: you go to a Liverpool um Hooligan, you know. Home or like a bar where all the all the Liverpool fans are at, and you go in there walking in there with a Chelsea jersey or a Manchester United jersey, and ooh, you better be better be ready to get out of there. Because if you start, you know, if if Liverpool starts down and the other, you know, Chelsea or whoever you're rooting for, goes up, that's it gets intense. They get personal
1: with that stuff. They get they get riled up. Well, you bring bring in something interesting that just popped in my mind is Chelsea. Uh, They went ahead and let go of Hazard. Yeah. And they picked up a Christian Pulisic. And I believe they got routed 5 0 their first game this weekend. They did? Well, they got, yeah, they got routed 5 0 in their
0: first uh, league game against Manchester. No, 4 0 against Manchester United. And they played in the And gym. then they played in this uh, the UEFA Super Cup, which yep. was, you know, the winner of the Europa League and the winner of the Champions League, which is Liverpool, Liverpool. And they lost that one,
1: but on penalties. Yep. So, uh, at, at that point, it was up for grabs. So, they, they, they did a pretty good showing there, but I think their main focus is the league now because the league has started. Yep. And to start off the league with a 5-0 loss, that's pretty huge. Uh, I'm kind of curious. Who would you say had the biggest move this offseason in soccer? Oh.
0: Um, if I'm sticking to the Premier League, I think the most moves that I see like you know that will impact the team is probably Arsenal. Uh, they really... They amped up everything. They, they took care of their left back issue. They amped up their forwards by signing Nicolas Pepe. They amped up their defense. They brought David Luiz from, from Chelsea. They brought him over. So I think they plugged in some, some pieces there that were missing components for the team. And I think they look pretty solid this year.
1: Interesting. And when it comes to your Barcelona, what moves did
0: they make? Well, Barcelona right now has got they've, – they've, uh, it's a whole mess. I mean, they brought in Antoine Griezmann who is a World Cup winner and one of my personal favorite players that I've seen him since when he was playing with Carlos Vela at Real Sociedad.
1: Then moved over to
0: Atletico. I moved over to Atletico, spent there, I want to say, five years, and now he's... And
1: now you can't forget his probably best achievement. He won a World Cup.
0: Yeah, I, I just said that. I,
1: I would probably say... Are you, know, you when,
0: deaf or are you stupid?
1: No, I just <laughs> tend to tune <laughs> just you out kidding. at times because... <laughs>
0: You talk nah, so much. But, no, no, but yeah, definitely World Cup
1: winner, Europa League winner. Um, but like what a, I was really trying to get to with the whole World Cup winner is I think he's probably the most talented Frenchman on that team. Uh, uh, over Kylian me, Mbappe? Oh, Kylian Mbappe. Don't even get me started on that, man. He's talented, but you still got to show me way more. You got to show me way more. Uh, Griezmann has been doing it with Atletico. He did it on the national side. He got that penalty. Yeah, score. but Kylian Mbappe won the league with Monaco, who hasn't
0: won the league in ages. It was It's always been PSG's I could have
1: won that league in Monaco. You can't win shit. I could have <laughs> won it instantly. Let me go get my shin guards right now. Game on. Let me go get my flip-flops. But what I'm trying to get to is probably one of the most overrated players they got is Paul Pogba. The man is didn't do much for Manu. No. I heard he cried and wants out, and, and he, he wants really out. Yeah,
0: he man. was about to be out, and Real Madrid won him, but they really don't have no for him. Big, they have Hazard. Well, well, no, but he Hazard's forward, and then they've Luka. well, yeah, but I mean, he's aging. He's like thirty three. But still, man is still talented. Man is still talented, but age age will catch up to you. They, look at look he, at Mar, look at Marcelo. He's thirty three too, and he now he's. He's gonna be
1: a bench player, but uh, I I can see where you're going. But also look at somebody like Dani Alves. you everybody thought he was done with Barca. Went over to I believe Juventus, right? And then yeah, well. Yeah. P- was it Juventus first and then Juve and, yeah, and then PSG? That is, yeah. yeah. And then now I believe he's back in Brazil, you Sao Paulo, know, trying, yeah. Yeah, looking to finish his career. 45,000 so. people went to go see him. Oh, man. It, it uh, must I, be nice.
0: It must be a nice feeling going back home.
1: That's well, tying back to what we were talking about. The it, most it's de- awesome. the most decorated player in Europe history. Not only that, just thinking about, you know, when you said that about 45,000 people coming to see him, you brought it into my head the thought of uh, when Andres Guardado played in Holland and the the whole Ooh. crowd yeah. was, I believe, singing. No, they made a beer to his name. They they sang. What was that Mexican song, y'all sing? That y'all, sing?
0: <laughs> the national anthem. Oh no, no, no. C'est C'est lindo. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, they went ahead and that's amazing. To have a foreign country, basically singing their a foreign language. they, yeah. they don't know yeah. Spanish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just to base, it. I, I think he cried. It was. I think it was his goodbye. Right. Yeah, was was going to go goodbye. to Betis. Yeah. I believe some tears did run down his eyes and and it's pretty cool to see how you know, uh, us in Northern America get treated over there because I, I think uh, Ochoa has something similar when he left. Um, I think he was playing in France, Correct. Wasn't he? Yep. And he got he got treated the same way. So it's pretty and now he's back in Mexico. Yeah, right. That guy. Don't even get me started on he's one of the most overrated. I could block the ball if it gets kicked to my face too. I don't think he's overrated. I mean, look at
0: that Brazil game in the World Cup. He that got was kicked in the face. That was ridiculous. The ball got yeah, kicked. but he knew where to put a fucking face.
1: <laughs> Valid point. You see, I'm. My face, my face is too beautiful. I
0: move my face away
1: from the ball. This motherfucker was like, "I'm gonna put this shit on the ball." I'm gonna blame the defender for even letting that kick get off. You should never put my face in jeopardy. <laughs> so it's because <laughs> it's already in jeopardy as is. <laughs> so, just a little bit of sports that we're touching on. Uh, we love soccer. We love sports in general. And that being said, you know,
0: um, if anybody's got any questions or you know wants to us to touch any specific sport. Or any topic, shoot us an email at notanotherfantasypodcast at gmail Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram on the user at notanotherfantasypodcast. This will be up and available in most platforms I use in podcasts too. This will be Anchor, Google Music, um, Spotify, Apple Podcast. If you have any questions or you know you can't seem to locate us, like I said, you can shoot us an email, send us a message, and we'll be glad to help you out. Don't
1: be a bitch. Click that follow button. <laughs>